You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church, to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church, to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome back to The Worship Review. This is a Christian podcast which examines the texts of Christian music that is sung in the church. We try to look at those texts charitably, but also carefully, thoughtfully, sometimes critically, in order to benefit everybody who listens to Christian music and also those who play and plan church services. So what we're doing right now is we are looking through hymns that have been redone recently, and we are reflecting on both these modern versions as well as the changes that have been made to the hymn over the course of time. And today, we're going to be looking at the song, He Will Hold Me Fast, recently redone by the Gettys. Your hosts for this podcast are myself, Colin. I am a history professor, a former worship leader of about 15 years or a little bit more than that. And I'm joined by my co-host and friend, Tyler. What I share with Colin is that I was also a worship leader, but I'm primarily a linguist yeah. now. So we're both academics, which I think maybe makes for some critical, maybe also sometimes overly analytical, perhaps, approaches to these songs. But so far, people are listening, so they do they do appreciate it, I suppose. Or They're tuning in for my witty comments that's and it. not for your... And it, thoughts, Colin. Okay, fair enough. And in fact, you know, of course you're right. Um, You know, what I'm going to say, our next phase of the podcast is actually going to incorporate the fact that we have listeners in a variety of parts of the world. And what we're going to do is for the top 10 nations that listen to us. So right now, the order is something like we get the most listeners in the United States. Is it Nigeria after that? Is Yeah. United States, Nigeria, United Kingdom... I don't remember what the order is, but um, so basically, whichever nations are the top 10, we're going to review the top song in kind of the category of gospel, Christian, contemporary Christian music, whatever it might be. We're going to review that song. So I'm actually worried about what some of the American and English and <laughs> Canada, Canadian. Yes, I don't know yeah. what people are doing over there in Canada when they're praising, but um, I, I, what I mean is I'm, I'm actually more confident that... Um, like the African countries are yes. going to be be, are gonna be probably more sound than... We'll see. Yeah, we're, we're going to find out. And what that means, though, we haven't made that, we haven't put that list into stone yet. So you have, we're going to do 20 episodes for this second series, so a few more left. And if you want your country to be... Uh, on that list, uh, either, you know, let your friends know that are in that country, uh, get them to listen to the podcast, which will, of course, bump up your country in the pecking order of countries that listen to us. And the other alternative is we will accept quality over quantity. So if there if there are a few passionate and dedicated fans, uh, listeners in, you know, in particular parts of the world that really want us to, to review a song that's in you know that's really popular in their country. Please do contact us via Twitter, uh, which we're at the Worship Review or at the Worship Rev. I can't remember what it is. Or on Twitter, type in the Worship Review on Twitter, you'll find us. 
and um, or send us a an email to feedback at the worship review and let us know if there's a particular song in, that's really you know taken off in your country that you'd like some some feedback on. We'd love to do that. Calling all Nigerians. Yes. Send us your emails. Let us know well, what you're singing in your churches. I, have to, I mean, we we have been pleasantly surprised by the amount of Nigerians listen to listening to this uh, listening to this podcast, and so we're definitely like that was the idea is like we should do something, you know, for these Nigerians. But um, so they're going to be fine no matter what. But um, yeah, I'm imagining maybe Estonia, the really small country, yeah. a small number of people, but really passionate about Estonia. Right. <laughs> we're passionate about you too, Estonia. That's right. <laughs> Uh, let us know. Anyway, so, but today we're going to be looking at He Will Hold Me Fast by the Gettys. Tyler, can you give us some just introductory thoughts about this song before we start getting into lyric by lyric here? Yeah, this song is a reassurance for the Christian who uh, may be concerned that their faith is uh, unstable or uncertain, uh, and it reminds the Christian that he or she is to be held fast and will be held fast can be held fast and is going to be held fast by the savior christ jesus now before we go into anything else we have to figure out what hold fast means <laughs> yeah. because we're not talking about speedily running down the yes. street while gripping something if like it means a burglar. that it's like an oxymoron right because holding is to is to stop <laughs> yeah to save it's a euphemism for stopping that's right that's yeah. right he will hold hold up fast so quickly hold hold on one moment uh, real fast, Colin, while I do this. So fast, related to fasten, uh, to bind, um, to hold secure. So to be held fast is unrelated, um, at least in terms of semantics, in, ter- in terms of what the word means, uh, to the idea of quickness or speed. It, it just means to be held securely. And that is what is reinforced throughout this entire song, is that we are held secure and stable uh, by our Savior. And the reassurance for that is uh, we're given several reasons to not just affirm that we are going to be held fast, but why we can and should believe it and why it is rational to believe it. And that is that he loves us so, and his promises never fail. Once again, we're seeing this theme of the trustworthiness of a promise being found in the character of the one promising it. So... Originally written by Ada Habersham, an English hymn writer, and also a renowned lecturer on the Old Testament. Yeah. She traveled and lectured on the Old Testament. Okay. She wrote in multiple languages about the Old Testament. Um, this hymn was written for a particular evangelistic campaign in North America in 1906, and the composer of the tune had been saved in a prior evangelistic campaign uh, tagged along for some more and wrote to Ada Habershon uh, to ask for her um, hymn writing abilities because he knew that she could do this because he had encountered someone who thought that he might be losing his faith or he was worried that his faith would not be stable enough to carry him through. Um, if you get a chance, Colin, listen and listeners, listen to the original tune to this hymn because what the Gettys have done is changed the tune. It's a it's a fine tune they have changed it to. There's nothing yeah. wrong with it. But the original is quite beautiful, I think. Oh, 
So let's get into the first yeah. verse of the song, first stanza. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path. For my love is often cold, he must hold. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. Hmm. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path. For my love is often cold, he must hold me fast. Okay, so we begin in a place of insecurity, actually. We have someone who is fearful and the fear, the content of that fear is that their faith will fail. And the assurance is that their faith is secure despite their insecurities about it, uh, because Christ will hold this person fast. And will here um, is probably being used in the future of tense. So if I'm afraid of this happening, well, Christ will hold me fast, you know, now and forever. It could conceivably also be a question of his volition. He, He also wants to hold you fast too. So that's a possible interpretation. It's not the most um, common use of that verb anymore. Uh, but what does it mean for faith to fail? I think that's something we have to ask ourselves, Colin. Well, what what's happening here is not that faith fails. It's that the person is fearing that their faith will fail. And I really like that distinction because what's going on here is there's no statement here at all that faith actually does fail. Mm-hmm. The, the, the song gives no credence to that idea. It does give credence to doubt, mm-hmm. which is something that Christians endure. A Christian's faith will not fail because God is the one who is the author and finisher of our faith. So if it's authored by God, it's not going to fail. But uh, our, we can doubt, right? We can have moments of doubt or just moments of difficulty and struggle with faith. And that seems to be what's going on here. When I fear that my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. Because faith from Scripture, we know from Hebrews 12, chapter 2, that Christ is the author and finisher of our faith, so our faith actually will not fail. Hmm. Okay, that makes sense, the the distinction that you're making, but I still wonder then, okay, if, if the real problem here is doubt— what is the content of the doubt? What does it mean for me to fear that my faith will fail, that I will lose my faith or that it will be inefficacious or I will lose the benefits that I've gained from my faith? It doesn't go into it much more than that. We do know that part of this is external because we have the tempter presumably saying these untrue things about faith failing. Like this is something presumably that Satan would say to a believer to to cause them consternation, to cause them to lose their joy. Uh, Satan obviously cannot cause us to lose our salvation either, but Satan can certainly make life as miserable as possible for the people of God. And so by tempting them with fear 
about these, you know, again, this is what Satan's game has been from the very beginning, is spinning the words of God in such a way as to just cause difficulty and challenge. But of course, he has no real ability to thwart God's plans. And in God's plan is clearly that Christians would have faith and that faith is secure. So we know that the tempter's involved, that's Satan, and we know that the path of life is fearful, and I don't think it's an accident that the problem is fear that faith will fail, and in life, the path is fearful. So these are also circumstances of life that can cause a person to have doubts. Now, again, the song doesn't say what these are, but in in my own life and the lives of others, I can think of the sorts of things that we're talking about, um, deaths of loved ones, you know, losing children, losing parents, losing spouses, losing friends. Um, these are things that can stress our faith. Uh, you know, other, other just difficult circumstances that can come. Sometimes beneficial circumstances can also stretch our faith as well or, or cause us to fear that our faith may fail in some ways. Um, and then the other thing that the song says, at least in this verse, is that love can be cold. One of the ways that we might fear our faith will fail is when we think of faith relative to our own faithlessness. Like, it's hard for us to comprehend the faithfulness of God and the f- kind of secure faith that God would give us because our natural faith is failing. Our own faith in objects in day-to-day life is not secure. Like, as much as we love our friends and our family and our spouses and our children, there are times when we don't. Um, As much as we believe that certain things might happen or that certain things won't happen, they can, they do, that causes us problems. Um, you could say to somebody, you know, somebody one day that they're your best friend, you'll, or, you know, or, or some, you could, you could be dating someone and think, oh man, I'll, I'll love this person forever. But then maybe you don't <laughs> later, right? Like our faith is fickle. The faith that we put in things and people is fickle. So it's hard for us to understand the kind of faith that God gives us. That's that seems to me the message of this verse. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm going to disagree with you slightly on the first point you made at the very beginning um, that this is about um, doubt specifically. Because if I say when I fear my car will fail, Christ will hold me fast. Now that's not the problem. There isn't my doubt unless I just have this irrational fear about my car. My car is fine, and I'm just well, irrational. No, well, your fear about your car isn't irrational because cars do, do fail. fail. But you're, if you have fear about um, the faith of God, the faith that God gives us, that is irrational. Because mm-hmm. in, the, in the owner's manual, in the Bible, are, is a clear statement that this faith doesn't fail. Yes. Like Christ is the author and finisher of our faith. Okay. I, I understand where you're going, but I still don't... Und- I think... I the problem is I don't know what it means for faith to fail because I have adopted the faith that you're describing as a presupposition. I don't understand what it means for faith to fail because faith 
faith being um, a free gift of God to us, um, an immutable God who yeah. does not retract gifts. It and doesn't, doesn't make change. S- yes, exactly. It doesn't make sense to me to say that it fails. And so I, I don't know. And I think this in this last line of this first verse, for my love is often cold, betrays a false belief. Now, I'm not saying it's a false belief of the author. I'm saying the author of this song is trying to sympathize with someone who has maybe a false belief of what faith is, and that is it's it's this dedicated, hot passion for God, right? And so when I feel cold, when I don't feel the same, you know, let's I'm, – I'm trying not to use these words – but I, I'm just going to have to because this is how it's often described. I don't feel this. I don't feel on fire the way yeah. I did when I was converted, and so now I'm afraid that my faith is failing. Right. Um, I think this kind of false bridge that has been built between faith and maybe passion yeah, feelings, um, yeah. needs to be deconstructed. And what the author of this hymn is doing is saying, um, "We don't need that bridge. That's a false friend. It's it doesn't exist. Um, your faith." will not fail because Christ will hold you fast. Even this uh, second line about the tempter, this is in the subjunctive grammatical mood. So it's describing a hypothetical. It's not when the tempter does prevail or when the tempter will prevail. Uh, He he cannot. He's already lost. Death has been defeated. So the tempter only has this kind of hypothetical prevailing that is not a part of the reality that we inhabit. Yeah. Um, Christ will hold me fast. Um, I, what I, Another thing that I like about this is that in the first line, Christ, the name of Christ, or at least the title Christ, is used, which gives context to all the later he's in, yes. the, in the song. It's not like a song where you come in and someone's like, he has done this, he is mighty, he is yes. this, and you're, well, who they is never it? never tell us who it is. <laughs> but yeah, in this song, it's clear. Right at the beginning, yes. <laughs> yes. That is nice. Um, Why is that so hard for some of those songs? They just can't use Christ or Jesus or something. Like, they just can't do it. Another thing that's worth noting, uh, you mentioned that life's fearful path, life, you mentioned that life's path is fearful. It's yeah. full of fears. It's full of frights. Another thing that's mentioned in this line is that, I do not have the ability in and of myself to keep my hold. That is, um, keep sure and steady footing uh, throughout this path. And yet, this this um, this preposition through implies not just in life's fearful path, but from mm-hmm. beginning to end. Mm-hmm. And and so we have this um, uh, this idea being set up where Christ is sustaining us. Yes, now, but also into perpetuity, or at least um, through the end of this life when, you know, we won't need to be, you know, guarded from the tempter and things like that. Uh, So, it's it's quite clever in that way. Yeah. Faith Um, isn't just a moment that happens. Faith is an enduring station. In the same way that people can, people can sometimes confuse a wedding with marriage, right? Like, the wedding is just the beginning of the marriage. It's not like... Um, it's not the marriage, right? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a great event. It's like, and it's obviously it's the opening overture to Act yeah, One exactly. of a big. It's obviously very dramatic, and obviously the big ceremony, and you know the big kiss, and you know, all the stuff that happens at a wedding. 
Uh, and you know, and, and then of course, following that, the, and marriage. the family fighting—it's right. all right there at the wedding. <laughs> but, but the you know, af- but the point is, after the wedding, the marriage can seem a bit dull, right? Because you'd never have a moment again exactly like the wedding. But like that would be—you can see how there's similarity to if your if your version of Christianity really emphasizes the moment of conversion, right? Like 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 what I think was happening in the context where the song was written with these big meetings and, you know, these real um, impassioned speeches. Yeah, exactly. Um, So you need some way to reassure these people that, okay, well, just because you're not having the same euphoria that you had when you became converted, like that doesn't mean that you've, you've lost something. Like, have you seen the graduate? I don't think I have. Okay. I mean, it's definitely not a movie that I would recommend people watch um, with their families, like, <laughs> sure. with their kids. It's definitely um, a, a, for mature audiences. There's some mm-hmm. um, really dark subject matter and some sexual subject matter in there too. But the there's a scene in this movie where um, a wedding happens and it cuts to the bride and the groom leaving the wedding. And they're both just kind of looking dully around like okay well that was that now what yeah. <laughs> what are we gonna do now right um and it's, it's a very similar feeling to what you're describing there i i like the last line of this first verse for my love is often cold he must hold me fast and this is a trick that it does in the grammar throughout this song where it sets up um almost in a way of a formal argument you have either statement and then justification or the inverted uh, structure, so justification for a statement, and then the statement itself. The latter one is what we see here. Because my love is cold, because I am a fickle, you know, lover. Because I am not always um, concerned with my faith. Um, it therefore must be Christ who is holding fast to me. So putting aside the fact that you know my the temperature of my love is not a good measure. For the status of my soul, putting aside that for a moment, um, we can know that it is Christ who is holding us fast because mm-hmm. we simply could not be doing that ourselves. Yeah, it's so. good. All right, so we get into the refrain, which I don't know if there's much to comment on. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so, he will hold me fast. Any thoughts? Well, we have he will hold me fast repeated. You know, it's said three times in this um in this refrain, I think it's to reinforce. It may also be to reassure someone who's uh, maybe insecure. Yeah. Uh, and there's there's very, very good scriptural warrant um, for this. So Romans 8, I think probably uh, everyone will think of when they, when they hear this song. Um, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who is raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So, who could condemn us? It's, it's obviously a rhetorical question. No one can compete with the kind of defense, even a legal defense, this intercession of Christ um, that, we, that we now have. Um, so let that reassure you, uh, Christian. And then I think there may be a reference to First John as well. It seems like there are a few actually 
lines in this song that uh, remind one of First John. So this is from chapter 5, verse 12. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. So that there's a kind of certainty there um, for the Christian uh, who may or may not be insecure at the moment about that relationship. Yep. And finally, the last thing I'll say about this very, very short text is, uh, again, it's this argument justification structure. How do I know that he will hold me fast? What 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 can I hold on to to assure me of that? Well, I can cling to the fact that my Savior loves me so. So this is a justification for that idea. It's also the only part of the song that's only in 4-4. Four, four. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. I'm wrong because the second half of the refrain is in 5 and then it goes back to 4. So the whole, the whole song is like... One and two and three and four, five, one and two and three, four, one yeah, and true. two yeah. and three and four, five, one and two and three, four. And then you get the chorus is the only time where you have a four, 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 five, four, four, four. The rest of it is five, four, 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 five, four, four, four. So it's he will hold me fast. Four. He will hold me fast. Four. For my Savior loves me so. Four, five. He will hold me fast. So Four. It's funny. <laughs> it's funny. They. It almost seems like it's dictated a bit by the um, linguistic structure more than the music itself. So, like, you have this little, he will hold me fast. It's like, well, how are we going to stretch that into five beats? We'll just make it a 4-4. Four, four. And roll with it. We've said nothing about this thus far in in any of the series, but it is a good time to just say one of the things I do enjoy about hymns is that at least they aren't all in four four. <laughs> That's you know? true. I mean, man, contemporary Christian music. Well, I, but this I think this tune was written by the Gettys too, on top of oh, they just so, oh, okay. So the old version, I believe the old one was either in three or four. I can't remember. Ah, okay. Oh, fantastic. Good for them. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it could be just a, a function of the Irish not knowing how to count. I had a couple of friends who were in Italy and they were looking for an address at a tourist site. And there was another English couple that was looking for the same address. And the English couple just turned to them and said, it's like this place was numbered by the Irish. Ouch. Yeah. But this is the wonderful, wonderful thing about the rest of the world outside of the United States and Canada also is like this. Um, it's okay to use some stereotypes in some jokes because that's what allows us to not take ourselves too seriously and get too offended by these things. I don't know, Colin, that sounds a lot like racism to me. Those he saves are his delight. Christ will hold me fast. Precious in his holy side, he will hold me fast. He'll not let my soul be lost, his promises shall last. Bought by him at such a cost, he will hold me fast. Those he saves are his delight. Christ will hold me fast. 
Precious in his holy sight, he will hold me fast. He'll not let my soul be lost. His promises shall last. Bought by him at such a cost, he will hold me fast. Tyler, march us through this line. So, um, yeah, Ada Habershon had a delightful, no, an excellent perception of rhythm. Um, well, again, we just we have more justifications for the assertion, uh, maybe even in a in a neutral sense here, the mantra that Christ will hold me fast or He will hold me fast. So, uh, I know that He will because those He saves are His delight. He delights in His people. Like uh, I think we mentioned on a, a previous episode, Psalm one forty nine four. For the Lord delights in His people; He adorns the humble with salvation. Uh, we learn that we, in, in this song, we learn that uh, we are precious in his holy sight, which also has scriptural warrant. So 1 John 3 opens with, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Uh, this is the kind of love that God has for us. Not, not even just for, you know, we know that at the end, the one who perseveres will be um, told, well done, my good and faithful servant. We we have the love of a father to a child. We have we have even more than a master who's pleased in a servant, or maybe not even more, but in addition to that love, we have the love of a father for his own progeny. Um, and we know that we are precious, furthermore, just because of what God has done on our behalf, that we as enemies, uh, active in engaged in active rebellion to him, were uh, redeemed and justified and adopted into his family. It's incredible. One of the ways to tell a bad undergraduate essay from I a good- I do not like it that you have just gone into describing bad undergraduate essays Why? after I express my thoughts. Oh no, Tyler. One of the ways to tell an arrogant person- <laughs> <laughs> One of the differences between I'm going to make my point anyway. One of the way, one of the differences between a bad undergraduate essay and a good undergraduate essay is that a bad undergraduate essay will circle around a point through redundancy, like they'll just keep saying the same thing over and over and over again. Like they will say one thing and then say another thing that's the same. Like they will just continue to speak the same thing over and over and over again, just in different ways or with different words. They will use phrases and words that are just slightly different than the words that came before. Wait, Colin, could you say that again? I didn't get that the first <laughs> exactly. couple of I times. was demonstrating the point. Uh, so that's what they'll do. Whereas a good undergraduate essay, one of the markers of that, is that they will circle around an argument by adding additional evidence, um, new examples in order to enrich the picture that they're painting in their argument. One of the differences between a poor quality worship song and a good quality worship song is that a poor quality worship song will simply circle around kind of the same repetitive ideas without actually adding the to definition of the song. Like they might just kind of say... God is good, but just say that generically in maybe a few different ways. Oh, he's good, he's good, he's awesome, he's, I don't know, he's, I don't know, they just might say that a few different ways. This song, however, does 
shows us what a good worship song does is it adds definition to the things that it's saying. So it says, he will hold me fast. And it says that a bunch of different ways. So in some ways it's set up for failure. It is, but it actually is able to do the right thing because it keeps explaining in deeper and deeper ways, in more specific ways, through different examples, how it is that Christ does the work of holding fast. And it just really makes that richer. So like you, you've pointed this out really well in your comments, you're, you're, you're doing doing, you're pointing out the, the good thing here. Um, I see that too in a few other ways in this verse. So those he saves are his delight. Christ will hold me fast, fast, precious in his holy sight. He will hold me fast. Now it's easy to just think holy sight is just one of these Christian cliches. Like he's just, you know, okay. But think about it for a second. What does holy sight mean? What, what would make God's sight holy? And I was actually looking up this term, and it does show up occasionally, the idea of holy sight. And it seems to be the idea that God's, God sees things from his position of being holy, of being set apart, which means almost his sight of, of judgment, basically, that God's holy sight is is going to not bear the sight of sin and is only going to enjoy or take delight in sinlessness, in perfection. So if we are precious in his holy sight, like that's not just holy as just like a catch-all term for awesome or good or something. That is a specific term that means we're precious in God's judging sight. So God... uh those he saves are his delight. We are delight a delight to God because he has saved us. And also, as the fourth line of this verse says, because we were bought by God at such a cost. So the chorus says, for my Savior loves me so. And that's definitely a key part of the gospel picture. But in addition to God loving us, is God loving us because he bought us with Christ, right? Because Christ died for us and thus fulfilled the will of the Father. He acted in perfect righteousness. He, 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 he redeemed us. Uh, he obeyed perfectly. Uh, that, that is what God sees when he sees us. And so he delights in us. And so we are precious, even in his judging sight. And he holds us fast because we were bought with Christ. And what has been paid for by Christ's blood is not going to be rejected by God. So it's a really nice way to really enrich this song with key elements of the gospel. I wonder, so I looked at the earliest versions of this hymn that appeared in hymnals, and the earlier ones had, I am precious in his sight, he will hold me fast. Those he saves are his delight. He will hold me fast. So, not as simpler. Good. And so, somewhere along the line, someone has made an editorial decision yes. to change that. And I wonder if it were motivated by a maybe a desire, maybe an anxiety that people would hear that and that they would hear, I am precious in his sight and think, cool, I don't need to do anything. I don't need yeah. to change. But this actually says, you know, you are, you have been, it, it's as you said, it is implying 
that Christ's righteousness has been imputed to you, that you have been given his perfect behavior. Yeah, I mean, it's great to tell people, it's often great to tell people God loves you. That is a true statement. Now, that is also, though, not a complete statement, because depending on who you are talking to, that love is kind of different. Um, To somebody who is unregenerate, God does love them. He's given them breath. He's given them common grace, as it were. He doesn't love them like he loves his son. But if you say God loves you to a Christian, I mean, that is, a, that is another level of love entirely. Where I'm going with that is if we just say, I am precious in his sight, that doesn't really quantify the preciousness that we have in God's sight. But God's holy sight, God's judging sight, and also that our preciousness exists because it, or that our preciousness is, is quantified by the sacrifice of Christ. That helps quantify why we are loved, mm-hmm. right? We're not just loved on God's whim. We're not just loved in a kind of friendly way or a common grace way. No, we're loved because God loves Christ. And that's a secure love. That's, a lo- that's, that's an unchanging love. Because it's an in eternal Christ. one. Yes. Past yes. and future. Yes. I am wondering now, upon reflection on this, given your thoughts and the um, examples from earlier versions, if not only the wording being changed, but the re the 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 rearranging of the structure of the verse is also meaningful. So if you begin the verse with I am precious in his sight. Christ will hold me fast. Those he saves are his delight. Well, now, um, yes, we're justifying the I am precious by me being saved. That's fine. But maybe someone wanted to even um, open with the reason. So the reason being those he saves are his delight. Before they get to the uh, idea, precious in his holy sight. And and importantly, precious in his holy sight is ambiguous. It does not necessarily refer, refer specifically to me, even though the second oh, half is Christ will hold me fast. It could be... Because it doesn't say, those, I am precious. Right. It could be, those he saves are his delight, comma, precious in his holy sight. So, those he saves, so not just me, but all those who are saved are his delight and are precious in his holy sight. But oh, I mean, it is ambiguous, but I, both would be true. Yes, I'm not saying it's a problem, yeah. I'm just, and maybe I'm splitting hairs, but I'm, I'm thinking um, it could be whoever the editor was or the person who changed this text was, v- for some reason, very concerned about yeah. someone misreading this. No, it's clearly and, somebody like us. <laughs> <laughs> Ideas matter, kids. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of... More things I'll say about this verse. Um, He'll not let my soul be lost. So this is reassurance of our salvation. Um, And we know from 2 Thessalonians 3.3, the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Um, His promises shall last. His word is secure and uh, faithful. Um, And of course, bought by him at such a cost is referring to a specific cost that you mentioned before, the, the blood of his only begotten son. Yep. Again from Romans 8, I think. For my life he 
Christ will hold me fast Justice has been satisfied He will hold me fast Raised with Him to For my life, he bled and died. Christ will hold me fast. Justice has been satisfied. He will hold me fast. Raised with him to endless life, he will hold me fast. Till our faith is turned to sight. When he comes at last. Colin, who wrote this verse? I, I, I'm, I'm actually not kidding. I don't, yeah, I don't I, find I, it in the early versions of this hymn. I'm wondering if the Gettys wrote this. I think I know where it... I think it was... Um, I think it was a church. Sorry to interrupt, but I, I, I was trying to remember if this is this song or some other song that we have got on the docket to do. But I think it was this song. This new version isn't done by the Gettys. They got it. It was redone by an American in a church in Washington D.C. in the fairly recently, like 1980s or 1990s or something like that. So this this final verse, which is uh, new to the other verses. Um, describes Christ's sacrifice uh, and the purpose for it. So it wasn't just meaningless bleeding and dying, but it was actually for uh, my life and uh, for uh, his flock. And uh, justice has been satisfied. So this implies that there was an injustice before that needed to be rectified and that uh, there was a judge who was dissatisfied with the state of things, um, referring, of course, to uh, God the Father, uh, we have now been raised with him, raised with Christ to endless life, um, also a, a scriptural idea, um, until, this is the only line in this that I think is confusing, until our faith is turned to sight um, when he comes at last. Why do you think that's confusing, Tyler? Um, well, I'm not raised to endless life until he comes at last, right? Yeah, sure. I'm raised to end this life, period. Yes. Until, until are funny words, because people use them the way that this song uses it all the time, which I think they they mean it in a way where it's like continuing, but that's not really what those words mean. Like the, like the words until or, the, or, or till, which is obviously a variation, they mean that it happens until something and then it stops. I don't know why people, I don't know, there's some common usage of this term, which people think of it as having continuity when it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I, I just it's know like they, they use it as if it were, and then. Uh, Colin, if I were to ask you, just uh, off the top of your head, is until our faith is turned to sight, is that in the Bible? Well, there is, our faith shall be sight. Where? Maybe I'm wrong about that. So here are a couple of verses about uh, faith and sight. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Or 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. So they're juxtaposed. Or Hebrews 11, now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So, these ideas are juxtaposed. 
uh, but they're also related. Um, but we, this is actually a, a tagline of, I think, the Christian lexicon or the dictionary yeah. of Christianese. So it's in right. the, at it's, the end of it as well with my yeah, soul, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Lord, haste the day when, when my, my faith, faith shall be sight. It's and I'm I'm not saying that it's an unbiblical idea no. or something. I I do believe in uh, the life eternal and the world to come, right? The world everlasting. Yeah. Um. I believe that Christ will come and He shall judge the quick and the dead. So these sure. are elements of faith. Um. It's fascinating that you distinguish between the Bible and the Christian lexicon. Those are two <laughs> different things. You're right. <laughs> and most of the time they're similar, but not all. Or most of the time they're. They're kind of the same, but they don't. They're not necessarily always the same. No, and so I think if you point. went to, if you polled maybe a thousand Christians and said, um, "Is there a Bible verse about?" Yeah, have you heard this Bible verse before? One day my faith shall be sight. I wonder how many people would say yeah. yeah. And I, I'm not saying that they'd be wrong. To no, no, no. I sure. thought it was in the Bible until yeah. I started. Tr- I was like digging around, thinking, "Why can't I find this verse?" You know, it's this elusive verse, um, and that's because it's an idea, yeah. a, a biblical idea. Yeah that we have, but it's not a scriptural one. So I was looking for proof texts for this and I couldn't find any. But anyway, until our faith is turned to sight uh, is obviously talking about the second coming of Christ. I I think, I I call it obvious, but um, maybe it isn't. Is that about the second coming? Is that about the uh, new Jerusalem descending like a bride uh, to earth? Is that about um, uh, the resurrection of the dead? I don't know, maybe all of the above. It, I don't think it gives, I, it's clearly not specific, which is, must be an intentional decision because so much else in this song is pretty specific. Okay. I don't know. I mean, do you see evidence that it is something in particular apart from just something that happens after we're raised again? No. It's 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 just something that happens after we are raised again. Just it's what it's, it's something in eternity, I have to think. Okay, here's an idea. It's maybe... I was wrong earlier about the until. Maybe this isn't accurate until. Maybe it's not I was raised to endless life until he comes at last. Maybe it's I have been raised with him to endless life. End statement. Yes. And then new idea. He will hold me fast until our faith is turned to sight. So he will carry and sustain me until he returns. Well, and then what? Is he going to let you go? So that's... I think I said this earlier, like the tempter won't be harassing us in heaven. Like there's a sense in which um, we will, we will, um, we'll be in the new Jerusalem. You know, there will be no more weeping. Um, There will be no more, you know, external or internal threats. And yeah, sure. He's holding us there, but it, it just seems I'm not going to say that that ends, but I'm going to say there's also no longer the same kind of need for it as there was before. Yeah, I think any way you parse these last couple of lines, there's still something that doesn't quite get squared, you know? Yeah, sure. So it's... He this, will... This, yeah, this I, see, is just you're, kind you're, of the, I see your objection, though. Is he going to let us go yeah. at that point? No. I just don't see a way to quite make this work. I'm, I, you can see the good intention. You can get the sense of what the what is trying to be said here. But it is just, it's the only, in my view, this is the only blemish in the song. It's not a major blemish. It's just ever so slight. Sure. And it's not in the uh, original text by uh, 
Um, oh, so this is this is the new Hammerson. Okay, so that's interesting too. Uh, the only thing I'll comment to say on this is uh, I do like that. Just as with the second verse, amplified words that came prior to it, the third verse does the same. So at, at the end of the second verse, we get bought by him at such a cost, but we don't know what the such a cost is. This explains a bit about what the cost is that Jesus uh, bled and died and that justice was satisfied. So this is, it, it just helps explain the cost. There's a nice continuity and coherence here. Tyler, do you uh, have some summarizing thoughts or some discussions about the changes that have been made other than the ones that we've already talked about? No, I think I've said everything that I, I need to say. It, it asserts and reassures that he will hold me fast and justifies it left and right. All right, excellent. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, do you have any thoughts about whether this is a, an improved version over the original or if you're comparing what we see in the original versus what we have in front of us? I think certainly explaining the such a cost with a description of the crucifixion um, is a net positive. Uh, some of the linguistic alterations that they made in uh, one of the verses about me being precious in his sight, I think give uh, greater clarity to the song. Um, I do think it's improved on the original. I have one substantive concern. Um, it, it, substantive in, a, in, a, in the sense that it is, it is of substance and it holds some weight. And that is that um, I can't find explicit praise of God. Okay. Wow. Which, that sounds crazy, right? Yeah. But it's... That it's, seems shocking, um, but maybe it's there. Well, I, I, can you show me something that is explicit praise of God? I think the closest thing is the opening to that final verse where we describe something that he did. And so there's an... But even that's not quite explicit because explicit would be, uh, you know, praise him for his... A mercy and love, but instead it, it's just a description. For my life, he bled and died. Now that that calls us to an implicit praise of yeah. him. That's so fascinating because so many contemporary songs are the exact opposite. They're full of reflective statements about praising God, which without providing the kind of declarative, objective statements that would lead us to praise. Mm -hmm. Whereas this song. It's full of that stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I'm not saying it's not a praise sure. song. It's not well, praising. I, you know, does a does a does a worship song have to actually have an explicit like and so we worship right. or and no, so I, we praise? I don't think it does. Uh, you're just pointing out though that it is conspicuously absent, which is which is yeah. which is kind of remarkable and unique. Yeah. It, I mean, so he'll not let my soul be lost. We're learning about his character here. And we can praise that aspect of his character. And in some ways, maybe that's better than a vapid praise him hallelujah without any context. Sure. Um, but, I mean, think about it. I mean, I don't know. This is a whole can of worms. But, like, do – yeah, yeah. Open the worm can. Well, though, I mean, just we – don't, we don't have to – it's true, like, in the Psalms, we see plenty of statements like, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, you know, and, and that's a really good thing, and we should have those statements. Those are good things to say. But we can also praise God simply by 
reading his truth, hearing his truth, speaking his truth. These are things that praise God, that glorify God. So this song is is not it's this what you're saying is not does not make this song deficient in any no. way. It makes it different. I mean, take uh let me give an example here um of a psalm of praise that says remarkably little explicitly about God. So psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish." So we have a description yeah. of there's judgment no, and law that are you know related to God, and I'm not saying that this uh, is a problem for the psalm or anything like that, but that that's a song that has a lot of pretext for you to really understand yeah. what's going on. But there's no there's no phrase in that psalm that's Hallelujah. like praise. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, good. Tyler, would you endorse the song? I would. Yes. Would you, Colin? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, um, what did you rate the song? Four out of five mashups. Mashup is a, I guess it's a more colloquial term when you have two songs that are different and you slam them together. Ah, um, okay. And so this song opens and ends with, well, actually it's it's because there's no text. It's Finlandia by Sibelius uh, played on the violin. da 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 Obviously, oh, they're, yeah. I think, trying to evoke Be Still My Soul. Yes. Um, but then it, it at one point, the Be Still My Soul stops, and then we go to When I Fear My Faith yes. Will. And I then love we, that tune, by the way. Which one? The Be Still My Soul? Yeah. Oh, no. it's, yeah, 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 yeah. Be Still My Soul, yeah. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Um, absolutely beautiful tune. Maybe they're trying to evoke something like, um, my soul is in turmoil, I'm concerned about my salvation, Uh, be still my soul, the Lord is on thy side. So, Colin, what did you give this song? I gave this song five out of five bored guitar players. In the video for this song, the live performance, there's just this guitar player who's got this really nice looking... He's got this really nice looking, I don't know, it looks like a Les Paul or something. And he's just sitting there and he's just got this look on his face like, all right, uh, you know, when do you want me to play? And he just like keeps taking these kind of deep breaths and he just looks utterly bored out of his mind. You know, meanwhile, the cellist is getting all sorts of applause for what she's doing. Well, and I think the camera is trying hard to avoid looking directly at him because they're moving it to like more obscure locations on the stage. Yeah. Like, yeah, let's look from the left wing now. <laughs> yeah. 
but they can't help but catch this bored guitar player because in order to to film the main singers <laughs> what what's the timestamp here the three oh yeah so folks if you watch it go to the he will hold me fast live version with the gettys start watching it about 340 three minutes and 40 seconds you will see exactly what i'm talking about this guy with the blue guitar oh no it's not a gibson i can see i can't i don't know what sort of guitar that is it's a les paul copy he the guy's just bored out of his mind uh thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Worship Review. We have a new episode every Monday. We've been able to do that consistently. We've not missed one. Somehow. You had a second child. I went through the tenure process. Anyway, but nevertheless, we were able to consistently put this thing out. So, uh, anyway, thanks for listening. Take care. You've been listening to the Worship Review. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, or email us at feedback at theworshipreview.com. We accept donations at anchor.fm slash theworshipreview and patreon.com slash theworshipreview. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.